All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fakey Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy. I'm a writer. And uh, we didn't live stream this episode because it's broken. So you just missed everything I had to say about millennials saving the aluminum foil industry. Yeah, that's what you're missing. Just so you know. Yeah, just so you know, that's what you're missing. So sorry. <laughs> sorry. But if you if you are Patreon, were you recording? Will they get the full thing? Yes. Yeah. If so. you if you subscribe at the thirty dollar level, which is a lot, you can hear our unedited episodes, which is why we charge a lot. Which is yeah, because they're <laughs> rough. The, some of the stuff I have to come out of here, I'm like, hey, what the fuck were we thinking? <laughs> I'm Mary Marketer, and um, I too was devastated with um, Taylor Swift not releasing anything on Friday the Thirteenth because five plus one plus three plus two plus two equals thirteen. That's straight up like, but it would not tin be foil hat. But it would not be the first time she's done that. It would I know, be, like the multiple time that she's done that. And 1989 is the fifth album. This is the thing. <laughs> she is stoking conspiracy theory behavior in her fans. That's weird. I like it. It's weird. It's it's a whole thing. There's a whole TikTok community of that's they call themselves clowns. Yeah, because they're always clowned. I just I don't know. It's one of those things that I I know that it's happening and I hear about it and I go I don't like it. <laughs> like I think and it's I, funny. It, it no, it is funny, but it's funny at first until it turns into it becoming people's entire lives and being really fucking creepy about it, which is yes. what happens. Yes. The, the like stuff with Gaylor is creepy. I don't think that's funny. But the stuff with everybody being like she's going to release this and then she fucking doesn't. Yeah. That's funny to me. It's just she doesn't have a like she doesn't have to do it. It's just anything that has a lot of pop culture sway, like Taylor Swift, Marvel, Star Wars, etc., that yeah. goes out of its way to like stoke this obsession in its followers. And then like it just I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. And um I think for the majority of people it's fine and not a big deal. But then there's like like the people that are 100 percent abs- certain that the boys of one direction all fuck each other um that's some personal shit like on the one hand like whatever you do you if you're like yeah they kiss then i'm like i don't know maybe they do i don't know them but like when you go out of your way to harass them or when you take it personally when they say no i don't um we've crossed a line here, yeah. but it, it works from a marketing perspective. And so mm-hmm. I'm very like, I, when I hear that somebody does this kind of thing intentionally, my hackles go up. She is 100% doing this on purpose. Like there's yeah. no question. She has been very vocal about the fact that she follows her fans. She knows what's going on. She follows what they say. Um, and like, there's been so many clues that she dropped. Like even Jimmy Fallon did a whole skit about something coming out on Friday the 13th for Taylor Swift. It was an entire skit. Oh my God. And she has gone on there before and talked about five thirteen. Mm-hmm. And so like, she knows what she's doing and I'm like, you know what? Clown them. <laughs> Clown them. Um, but all the people I follow uh, on Friday, none of them were angry. It was a lot of people drawing clown faces on themselves. Mm-hmm. wearing clown hats and um, wigs. Just like that book. 
Yes. Yes. Just like that book. Mm -hmm. Just like that book. So anyways, yeah. That was my trauma. You have to be careful when you say anything about anything because I will fucking turn it into a moment to soapbox about how uncomfortable I am with um, major pop culture things. Missy's uncomfortable with the fact that cups are a thing. I'm literally uncomfortable all the time. We talked about it in therapy this week. So whatever. It's just who I am. It's your personality It's now. my personality. I'm just always a little uncomfortable. You can go first because you have more than I do. Okay. Well, I have something really um, high education. Mm-hmm. Um, very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. I have watched the newest season of Selling Sunset. Um, I hear a lot about this show. Listen, it is the best worst show on Netflix. I highly suggest everybody watch it. Missy, I want you to watch it because I feel like you will get stupid invested Mm -hmm. or you'll hate it. It'll be one of the two. I think that the first season you'll be like, whatever. But as you keep going, the personalities become stronger and stronger that they are literally becoming caricatures of themselves and it only gets better. Mm -hmm. So this was season five. And if you don't know what selling sunset is, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a group. They sell you the sunset. They sell you the sunset. It's a group of, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six seven or eight women who work for the Oppenheim um, real estate brokerage company uh, run by um, Brett and Jason, who are two twins, two small bald twins. They would be named (laughs) Brett and Jason. When you see them, you'd be like, yeah. Um, And they, quote unquote, sell real real estate. Um, It's pretty well known that they're not actually like real estate agents maybe some of them are but like especially on season five i didn't see many houses sold (laughs) i think there were like two houses sold that i can think of and like one of them was to one of the other people who worked there um it's bonkers and so fake um that like there's this one scene where one of the twin dudes is like i'm gonna go call this um this client about this house being sold. It's a big house. And he goes outside and it's on the phone and he's like, you did it. You sold it. And then he comes back in and the the next day I got online and there's all these close-ups and he's talking to his phone, but his phone's the camera app. (laughs) It's so funny. There's just so many like slip ups, like to the point where I think it's become like very purposely like don't care because it's like, there are people who wear like completely different hats in one scene and just ridiculousness this season we had two major dramas we had um Chriselle and Jason started dating and um by the end of the season they had broken up because she had wanted babies she went into this saying like I'm she's like 40 something years old I'm ready for babies they they went through stuff and then he, eventually he's like I had to really think about it and like I don't want to have a kid so they broke up um and then the other one was Christine who is the best villain to ever villain um she is so over the top her outfits are so over the top the things she says like she gets herself in trouble for saying mean things but when she says them out loud like it's funny it's not funny because she's being mean but it is kind of funny like that's the sense of humor that she has and because this is clearly all fake like it's fine with me. She's being mean, but like, it's kind of fine with me because she's like a clearly a fake show, but she, uh, I don't know. Like some of the things that she says are just so 
over the top mean girl and I've heard rumors that she's actually like extremely nice um, which makes it even better for me um, but she was having major issues with all the girls in the office and she was barely in there and she had great um, purses and outfits this season most of them she couldn't bend over in um, not because it was short but because it was so tight and she had like uh, purses that were things like a chair you couldn't put any like it wasn't like you could put something in it it was just literally a small chair so it was like having a bracelet yes a shoulder bracelet yeah with that's a, a chair with a chair pendant if i can find i'll find it for you shoulder bracelet with chair pendant yes that's the alt text for it <laughs> yeah that's a shoulder bla- bracelet with a chair pendant you couldn't like put anything foldable chair but you know what you could do is you could put a little stuffed animal to sit on there and i like that about it if you had a little kermit the frog <laughs> you wanted to be kermit the frog well who doesn't like kermit the frog so i mean who doesn't um if you don't like kermit the frog don't tell me because i I will judge you forever (laughs) she just like if you just go and google christine's best outfits you'll get just some like she is the the pigtails (laughs) you'll just get some of the most wild shit that like it just so like speaking of clowns speaking of clowns it just like it's so the personality in which she's created that it it totally works for me like they're absolutely ridiculous outfits but i like it because she's created that persona um she is just awful she used to be close with some of the girls now she's not she said some pretty awful things about them and one of the girls heather has a bridal shower which Christine was not invited to. Um, and Christine sent to where they're having the bridal shower a like seven foot heart made out of flower, black and black and red flowers with flower petals all around it. Just got it sent out to like the front of the restaurant. <laughs> and they went out and they're like, what the fuck is this? Like it was a statement like you didn't invite me. I'm still here. It's still going to be about me. And I loved it. In the end, um, spoilers, she left the group and she did not show up at the, um, she did not show up at the reunion. She got accused of offering um, Emma, who's like her arch rival. Uh, She said, they said that somebody reached out to her, her client on behalf of Christine and offered her $5,000 not to work with Emma. And that's like super illegal. Um, and they tried to confront her about it and she just didn't show up. Um, and then you learn on the reunion going over to back to Chris um, Oh, who Chris used to be married to the main dude, love interest and passions. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's something. <laughs> um, and so anyways, so you hit it, there, the big, there are two things that happened on the reunion that was just like felt well. Okay, so they talked about the relationship between Jason and Chriselle, and Jason like couldn't talk. He was like crying the whole time, and like this is not a man who shows emotion. And there's been a lot of rumors that their relationship was fake, and I don't think it was fake after watching him. Like he like literally could not talk, and it was pretty. It kind of like I feel really bad for him because then we find out. Like I don't feel bad for him, but. So Chriselle wanted to have a baby, right? Um, and they're like, you know, is that something that you're still focused on? And she's like, well, I've kind of been taught, like I, I've learned that there are 
different avenues for this. And it's not something I necessarily like have to do a specific way or right now. So like the whole reason he broke up with her, she kind of just turned on. But there's a good reason. It's because she's now dating. I think their name is G Flip, who is non-binary. And and so like, so she's like, well, obviously this isn't gonna, like I'm not gonna have a, a biological child with this person. So I think she has been shown like there are other ways to have children. Um, even if that means just having a child you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, but it was like, so the, the person who moderated it was Tam from Queer Eye. And I didn't catch this when I was watching it, but somebody brought it up and I was like, that's pretty shitty. So G Flip is non-binary. And then after they talked about it, um, Tam ran around and asked all the women, have you ever kissed a woman? They're not, they're non-binary. So like, why are you going around and asking like, have you ever kissed a woman? Like the the implication is that she's dating a woman. Mm -hmm. She's not. Um, So that was like really weird. I don't know. But this season was super good. It was so ridiculous. I very much enjoyed it. Um, There's some real dead like dead weight on the show that needs to go, but they didn't really focus on them. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's really bad TV. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. I love Christine. I love every all the drama and I am sad. Christine will be gone, but who knows? She probably won't be. She's going to surprise bitch. She's creating the last of me. <laughs> she would. She, she, she's the type of person that would prepare that long con. I hope the next season opens with like some new person at the office and then they do the whole chair spin, you know, where the, the back of the chair <laughs> and then she turns around and she has those big pigtails in her chair purse. And then she's like, surprise, bitch. Listen, that's why I love her because that is 100% without a doubt, no question in my mind, something she would do. Good. So she started a new company with her husband that's like a brokerage. You can like pair with a brokerage online, uh, which you, I guess if you're in real estate, you have to be with a brokerage. And so that limits people. Um, so the idea is you pair with somebody online and you are, you have more um, control over what you do. So I don't know, maybe she'll be back. Maybe she won't. I'm sure we're getting now selling the OC. So, Oh yeah, that one looks ridiculous. Um, they're definitely a lot younger, so it'll be interesting. I like that. There's so many reality shows now that have to do with people in their thirties. Like I appreciate that as a person in their thirties. Yeah. I appreciate seeing that. It's not like none of no one of them is a mother. I think no two of them are mothers. And, but it's like not, it has doesn't, it's not like part of the show really. Mm-hmm. Um, I just enjoy watching, like, you know, very attractive people who are in their 30s, and it's not like they're old. Yeah. I appreciate that. Like, Chris I don't feel like old. 40s. I don't feel old. Sometimes I feel Only old. when I fall down. Yeah. When I'm doing yoga and my knees crack. Yeah. And my hips crack. Or when I pull my hair back and it's just gray. <laughs> and I feel old. But anyways, Selling Sunset. I highly suggest it. <laughs> Unless you really hate realtors. <laughs> realtors <laughs> reality shows uh grace and frankie finally ended have you seen the promo interviews they've done i've seen some of them hilarious i love them lily tomlin and, and jane fonda are national treasures yeah they're very funny they keep popping up on my like tiktok and instagram and they're so funny. they're so cute and they're so charming i love both of them 
Um, I'm surprised that they canceled it. It's like one of the top. Streaming. It didn't cancel. It ended. Oh, it just ended. It ended. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it came. It came to its conclusion. Okay. Because yeah, it's one of the top streaming on Netflix right now. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, so I watched it over quite a while. Um, but it they stopped filming midway through the final season, season seven, because of COVID. Because so much of the cast is over like 75. Um, it's like a large portion of the cast. Um. And I've talked about it before, so I won't go like too in depth on on it. But um, this last half of the season was pretty good. Um, Grace and Frankie as a show really suffers from being a sitcom. Um, it is a sitcom and it's a pretty delightful sitcom most of the time. But oh my God, sometimes it needs to stop being a fucking sitcom. It introduced so many problems in the last like eight episodes or whatever that there was no way they could conclude all of them in a satisfying fashion fashion and they let me tell you friends they did not um i think that the the main storyline with grace and frankie which is basically that um you know they're both they're both in their 80s they're both getting older and they really don't at this point have anybody else in their lives that they're that close to but they also have a lot of tension in their friendship that they need to work out that they are like not addressing and there's like I won't spoil it but there's like an incident that kind of forces them to confront this um that I thought was really effective and well done I was like yeah that this this makes total sense this is a good a good progression for the show there then there was the plot line between their ex-husbands um robert and saul where i liked it and i thought they were doing a good job but oh my god why wrap it up in the last 10 minutes the last episode like give us a little more breathing room here and then there was all the side stories where i was just like what the fuck is going on here the worst offender being barry and brianna i fucking love brianna and i love barry brianna is one of grace's daughters and she's just uh she's just a bitch and i love her for that um she used to run after grace left the company she used to run grace's cosmetics company and then she in the final season i think ends up stepping down be cut for a variety of reasons one being that she wants to stay with her boyfriend barry who is the doofy ass accountant for say grace and i love him so much um i won't spoil what happens at the end of the season but um they have a lot of tensions in their relationship that need to be worked out that should have been worked out a lot earlier so that there would be actual character growth and not this is a spoiler but it's not it's not it's it's not going to ruin any of the events but it is a, and it isn't a spo- it is a spoiler. Um, literally, Brianna says, "Okay, go away, Barry," and he does, and he never comes back, oh and that's God. the end of the story. And I was pissed. <laughs> like, I am totally okay with with like them not resolving all of their issues. But what I was not okay with was the lack of character growth for Brianna, because I love Brianna, but I also want to see Brianna like grow into a better person. <laughs> it's fine if she and Barry like don't work out. That's okay with me the irritating thing was like okay but what about brianna like what like what now what's next for her is there a spinoff i don't know um and also no conclusion for barry whatsoever um so all of the side stories like and there was like what oh my god the one with bud and his wife was weird it made his wife look so bad Um, he is tired of being a divorce lawyer, especially because being a divorce lawyer fucking sucks and everybody hates him. 
Um, so he wants to do something else and his choice is stand up comic, which yeah, is not a great, uh, career move, but like his wife is so unsupportive. And I was just like, this just makes her look so bad and unreasonable. Like, why are we taking this direction? I don't know. Also like divorce, divorce lawyer. If you're a comedian, like that's like you, you probably got endless stuff to go. And on. he was good at being a comedian was the thing. Like he got a great reception when he did stand up comedy, but, um, the his wife was so against it that that caused he didn't tell her and of course that was this entire show is built on people not telling one another things um so overall i really liked it and i liked the show as a whole i thought that the conversations about aging if especially were really sweet and touching and um really really well done the 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 closing scene with with grace and frankie is legitimately so sweet and so cute and just like really lovely like it was it was really really good um and there are parts of the show that were so enjoyable and so charming and it was just really hamstrung at times by being a sitcom like and relying on sitcom premises or premises to to accomplish things like literally it, it became a game every episode for like okay so what's going to be the miss the miscommunication this time what's going to be the object that causes the confusion this time um which is like not it's not like bad or anything it's just the sh- i think that the show runners had enough talent and enough things to say that they did not need to be relying on these like really um hackneyed plot devices and not giving characters proper conclusions um but overall i thought it was a good show it just has a lot of ups and downs um as far as like episode to episode quality um there's something i think to like in every episode but some of the arcs are definitely better than others and justice for barry um i watched the documentary in class action park which is about um, the story of a amusement park in, in I believe it was New Jersey called Action Park. Um, it was a mostly water park and then like go-kart area um, that was created by a man who really wanted to work for like Disney or Universal, but he was too bonkers to be hired. Um, and when you watch and look at the things he created, the answer is, yeah, you should never have been allowed to do this. Multiple people died at this place. Multiple, like a ton of people were hurt. Uh, and it was just one of those things where you look at it and you're like, what were you thinking? Why would you do this? Um, so and it's kind of like when people are like, oh, back in my day, no one cared well, like what your kids did or, you know, like we're, we're, we're too overbearing now with like children. And this is this is why <laughs> this is why. Um, because people would let the, their children go to this. The most ridiculous water slide that they had was one that did a loop. Um, but he's not an engineer. Um, so it was essentially trial and error to do the loop. And he would pay his employees a hundred bucks to go down the loop to see if it works. People would come out with dislocated shoulders, huge gashes on them some people get stuck in the loop so they had to they literally had to create a trap door for those who got stuck it was like made out of pvc pipe like it and it was like um it had to be so steep that people would get like massive wedgies (laughs) it was so ridiculous they had that and then he made a like 
rapids um, type ride where you're like on a on a um, inner tube going down. But it was not like he carved out this is the rapid path. It was there's some rocks here that water goes down. We could have it go down that way. Um, so everyone would get stuck. People would flip over. They couldn't get back up. Um, all this stuff. It was all the employees were like between 14 and 18, uh, maybe a little bit older. They were just teens who basically spent the whole time not doing anything and then having sex in a shack. Like that's what they like. They would have big party at the end of the year where they just got absolutely wasted and just bonkers crazy. Um, one of the things they talked about is this one slide that comes out and you drop you like you have a big drop into water, which is which I've been on a ride like that before. So it's like not super uncommon, but I guess the whole tube was black and you suddenly come out. So people would be really disoriented. And then the water was so cold, people would forget how to swim or they'd go into like shock. And so people would often have to be saved. Out of oh, my it. God. Um, and then there'd be like. Uh, I think it was on the rope swing. People would go on the rope swing and the people like waiting in line would heckle and like be really cruel to people who didn't do cool stuff. (laughs) It was a bonker. Like it was shut down eventually, but it was just like the most ridiculous. Like how did this happen? How did anybody allow this? And Um, people kept going. People kept going. (laughs) It was like people would come like they're they'd have to turn people away because it was too full. Like, it was just literally do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. And I, I, I can't get over the, the loop. That's just <laughs> crazy to me. It was really good. It was very entertaining. Um, some good interviews. And it's just so funny because a lot of the interviews are like, yeah, that was dangerous. I'd never let my kid go. But I sure did have a good time. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you get hurt. Some people get hurt. But I sure had a really good time being, you know, a senior going and drinking in my car. <laughs> like you could get alcohol there and they didn't like check IDs. And some people were like and it was super hot because it was the especially the other side was built on top of asphalt. Um, so it was it was once it was two sides and the other side you had to walk over the free. There was like a bridge you walk over the freeway and it was all asphalt. So people would like burn their feet and stuff. <laughs> Because they came from the water water mm-hmm. side. So a lot of people are dumb and don't get like water shoes and um, hurt themselves in, in the heat. And it was it was something. And he was very, is it litigious when you want to go um, to court a lot? Yeah. He, he, he was somebody who's like, he doesn't settle. He refuses to settle. <laughs> and his whole thing is he will drag out a... Um, like he'll drag it out as long as he can in order for someone to just let it go. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy. Um, but yeah, it was really good. It was a really good documentary. My husband put it on. We were just hanging out and I was like, what is this? And he's like, just watch. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was ridiculous. So um, it was on HBO. If you want something that's just like not very serious and fun <laughs> about people getting hurt, <laughs> um, this is for you. Um, I read The Hazelwood by Melissa Albert, which is a, uh, who is the audience for this? I guess it's YA, but it didn't really feel, it doesn't really follow like the expected narrative arc for a YA book, in my opinion. Um, I think that it maybe has a little more broad 
appeal. I was really unsure of the protagonist's age for most of the book. She's she's in high, high school. school yeah. She's like she's in high school, but also I was like, are you in high school? <laughs> um, but it is so it's about this girl named Alice um who lives with her mother who is the daughter of um I forgot her name. Something Proserpine. Althea, Althea Proserpine. Yeah. Um who is a famous author of a fairy tale book called Tales from the Hinterlands. And uh, her mother, uh, Alice's mother, Ella, has been estranged from her mother for a very long time. And um, part of that being just like she seemed like a cruel person, an uncaring person. Um, But what ends up happening is that Alice's mother, Ella, goes missing under very fairy tale circumstances, shall we say. Um, And Alice, with because Ella is really the only person in Alice's life, um, she resolves to find her and she is helped by Ellery Finch, who is a boy that Alice goes to school with, who is obsessed with Althea Prosserpine's writing. I really liked it. I thought it was really, it felt very fresh. There was a lot about it that like you could make comparisons to something like Tithe or something like, um, I had one and now it's gone. Even something like uh, Sean and McGuire's Wayward Children series. Like there's, there's things that you can make comparisons to, but the way that the book unfolds felt really, really fresh to me. Um, it doesn't, one of the reasons I say it doesn't feel, it doesn't follow like the tradition, not, it's not necessarily traditional, but it doesn't follow the expected YA trajectory. Like when you go into a Y, not, of course, not all YA books play out the same way. That would be a ridiculous thing to say. But when I say something is YA, you kind of have an expectation about how it's going to play out. Um, even darker YA series, you still kind of have like an expectation for how it's going to go. And this really isn't that. I definitely think there was like a Holly Black influence here. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there was a lot of um it always the whole time I was like, we had just read Border Town. So that yeah. really reminded me of like this Border Town esque world. Yeah, I, I think that there's well, I mean, uh Melissa Albert in writing d- wears her influences on her sleeve. There's a lot of references to to different writers. For me, I think the big the big one that came through was was Angela Carter in um in uh Althea Prosserpine's writing. Um, not because like it necessarily resembled Angela Carter in every way, but because it felt like there was a lot of Angela Carter in Althea Prosserpine, especially like talking about the lost movie adaptation of her work, because there's an adaptation of um, Angela Carter's, uh, is it Wolf Alice or is it the other Wolf one? One of the other, I can't remember. The wolf. Uh, anyway, I watched it a while ago and I talked about it on the podcast. I just can't remember which one it was. Um, yeah, there's there's like a a very strange film adaptation of an Angela Carter story, and I think the same thing happened in this book. And there's just a lot of um, you can kind of it's kind of like a a little buffet of influences <laughs> on Melissa Albert, which I thought was really cool. Some of them are like very pop culture, some of them less so. Um, and 
I just found overall, I found the book really, really refreshing. I did. My biggest criticism of it is I either wanted it to be a little bit shorter or a little bit longer. I think there's a novella. of Yeah, there what's is. The, name? the dude. Yeah. And I, I definitely want to read more because this is only book one. And yeah. I think I know there's a novella. And then I think there might be more planned in the series, which I, I'm excited about. I just felt like toward in, maybe in the last third, there was either a little more than I wanted or a little less. Like I wanted to go for it or yeah or pare it down. Yeah, I almost wanted like another section, like another arc, mm-hmm. or Maybe I wanted two books. Yeah, or I wanted one less arc. Yeah. There was this, there was some stuff that was added that was interesting and like not definitely not bad or anything like that. It was either I just wanted more of it or I wanted it not to be there. I. I love this book. I feel like it's one of those books that just scratches a very particular itch. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I really, really liked it. I am excited to check out more of Melissa Albert's writing, especially because I think this was her debut novel. Oh, really? Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's what I think. So don't quote me on that. Um, I don't think it gets pushed enough on book talk. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really good. And I, I, I also don't hear a lot of people talking about it. I don't use TikTok, but um, it's not a book I hear a lot about. But I did. I really enjoyed it. And I would definitely check out more of I'm glad, Albert's writing. I'm glad you liked it because I thought you would. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so I really felt that Border Town, Holly Black feel. And like that is like especially like early Holly Black, like type and all that stuff is so like so it's just so fucking good yeah um so i'm reading currently reading um the darkest part of the forest i think that's what it's called and you know when you just get that writer who just (laughs) leans in that's what i liked about this i really felt that Mm -hmm. she just leaned in and uh, it was great yeah i i really liked it i thought it was overall really really good um and definitely makes me want to check out more of her work I read The Dragon's Bride by Katie Robert. I like wouldn't normally talk about this book because it is, I don't know if you, it is a dark romance, right? And I don't typically talk about those on here because shit gets weird. But I wanted to talk about this book. So first of all, Katie Robert is great. I love her. She wrote Neon Gods and um, a couple, she writes a lot of like forbidden romance stuff and like a lot of dark fantasy, but and like dark romance and things like that. But I think she does it really well that it doesn't feel, at least for me, it doesn't feel super like creepy. And I think she did this one really well. Cause in the end I was like, that was a really sweet story. And this story is about a girl who makes a deal with a demon because she is being abused by her husband. Um, physically but mostly emotionally she makes a deal with him for like seven years she like essentially gives her life to him to get her out of this marriage in which the demon goes and kills him because um you know who likes um a domestic abuser no one not even a demon um and so what he does with her life is he marries her off to a dragon man um like full-on dragon like like not not like dragon like in Shrek, but like um I don't know why this came to mind. <laughs> but um but like, you know, a humanoid type dragon, but he's giant. Um he has multiple appendages, <laughs> we'll just say. But the story is really about 
you know, there's a lot of sex in it, sure. But it's really about a woman coming to learn that not that sometimes being different can still be a really good thing. And something can look monstrous and not be monstrous. And something can, you can have fights with somebody and not have it not turn into, you know, being emotionally and physically abused. There was a lot of her getting over and talking out a life because she was married for like, for like 13 years. Um, and her like dealing with the emotional trauma she had to go through and how this dragon man is <laughs> helping her. I mean, she was essentially sold off to be a bride. She didn't know that's what was going to happen. And she, um, she, he wants to have a child because, when you have a child with a human in this world, it's like an amplifier for magic and his world, his, his dominion kingdom, whatever you want to call it is like slowly failing. So he needs some type of conduit for magic to kind of like pump some life back into this. And, you know, he doesn't, that's his goal, but he tells her like, I'll never force you to do that. Like I'll never, that's not something you have to do. It's just, you know, that's, that's what I need. And sh- and she's very upfront. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's so like, it's messed up for you to think that I could have a baby. And then after seven years leave spoilers in the end, she finds out she can stay. Um, so she does and they don't necessarily have a baby, but it's, you, they're probably going to have one. And she's like, how is that going to work? You're like eight feet tall and a dragon and he's and I you know what I really appreciated? She didn't try to explain it. He literally <laughs> is like, I don't know, it's magic. <laughs> that's that's the right answer. Yeah. She he's like, when it's born, it's mostly human, and then it kind of morphs into a dragon. I don't know, it's magic. <laughs> it's just kind of what it is. More writers need to take that approach. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you, Stephanie Meyer. I just really appreciated, like, I don't know, it's magic. <laughs> no one really knows how it works. Uh, like it, there's like another part where she's like how did because the dragons in this used to be like like dragons you see on like Shrek and like uh, Game of Thrones she's like how did they first like and they became what they became now because they mated with humans she's like how did that even work in the first place and he goes I don't know why are you asking <laughs> I don't know magic that's just what it is um, so I really appreciate that I just think that Katie Robert I love her TikTok I follow her on TikTok and she's just like really upfront with how she feels and she she I think she had one situation in which um, something was pointed out about her books that was like problematic and she legit was like nope don't publish it I need to fix this and appreciate that I I just appreciate how she's just like, I'm going to write whatever I want. If that means this dragon man with multiple appendages marries this woman and it becomes a very sweet story, then that's what it's going to be. Um, there is the first one in a series. The next one is the woman who was sold off to the Kraken. So that'll be interesting. And then there's the demon. And then I think they're going to do one with the um, succubus as well. So... And that was another one where she's like, how does the succubus have a baby with another woman? And he's like, it's fucking magic. I don't know. (laughs) It's great. I really enjoyed it. It's definitely a dark romance, um, but it's not super dark. 
Uh, she definitely is like, I was not aware of what I was getting into, but he is also very well aware of that as well. Um, and I just think, you know, it's a sweet story. And if you want to get into like, I'm not really big on like, you know, monster fucking, <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be the title isn't it? i guess you can't put fucking in it you probably could i don't usually put swears in the title mm-hmm. though but if you like want to dabble in it i would um if you want to get into like that kind of stuff i feel like this is probably a very good um dip your toe in it doesn't feel like dip your toe in what mary well um i don't know <laughs> magic monster fucking light yeah and so and it's just a sweet story and i like katie robert i love neon gods i loved um what was it the retelling of aladdin um was really good which i (laughs) i was watching this clip of a of a uh stand-up show and this guy's like who likes to read and then this girl's like i love to he's like what do you read she's like porn <laughs> and he's like do you know that you can watch porn now you don't have to read it and she's like no no who wants to watch yeah porn? she's like it's way better and then she's like like i just read a book about jasmine fucking jafar and <laughs> and i was like i read that book too dangerous measures i think is what it's called and it was super good it was really good it was so funny because like it's just if you know that book you know it um but yeah I like Katie Robert. I thought this was a really sweet story, even if it was about a dragon that has multiple appendages. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I rewatched. It's I say rewatched, but it's literally been almost ten years since I last watched this movie. But I watched Chungking Express, which is a, I missed the G in this, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> which is a 1994. Um, film by Wong Kar Wai um, and part of the reason I wanted to rewatch this was because uh, s- there's a certain section of everything everywhere all at once which I won't spoil which the best I, movie of all time yes which I don't know if it's intentional I wouldn't be surprised if it is intentional but I don't want to make claims um, but there is a section of the movie that reminded me very like reminded me visually of Chunking Express and I loved Chunking Express when I watched it I watched it uh, in my film noir class um, so I wanted to rewatch it and it's still excellent. It's so good. And it's, it's hard to explain because ugh, when you try to like, I can tell you what this movie is about. It's a, it is, uh, two stories about <laughs> the, the description of it on like HBO is like two cops whose girlfriends have recently broke up with them, experience new relationships or something like that, <laughs> which is like, yeah, that's what it's about. I guess. <laughs> So uh, in the first section of the movie, you have this guy whose girlfriend has just broken up with him and he's really hung. Well, he she actually broke up with him a month ago, um, but he's only decided just now that if, if he doesn't talk to her within this day, then it's over. Um, and he ends up. Uh, <laughs> how do you even explain what he does? He basically is like, I'm going to fall in love with the next person that walks into this bar. And the woman that walks into the bar is a woman who is involved in a drug smuggling operation. <laughs> who is being screwed out of um, basically her, basically she's being thrown to the wolves. Um, And that doesn't accurately sum up what goes on in the story, but that's kind of what it, that's like what it's about. The second one is my favorite one. And that one features um, 
another police. I don't know why it's about police officers, but it's about uh, another cop whose girlfriend was a flight attendant and then she breaks up with him and he ends up <laughs> not even they're not in a relationship. He's just he's just living. And this girl who works at this food stand, which is kind of like where a lot of the story takes place, she ends up getting involved in his life is the best way I can think to explain it. Um, the mo- like, I, like I said, I can tell you what the movie's about, but it doesn't communicate the feeling of watching the movie whatsoever, which I think is really what is unique about it. It doesn't feel like anything else. It is, it is just a totally fresh experience. And um, I adore every single minute of Chunking Express. It's so good. It's just, there's nothing else like it. Um, and it's so artfully made and it, it does things with like, like the film techniques it uses at times feel jarring. Um, but in a way that like is so like expressive and so evocative, like the part, so the part that I'm thinking of in particular in everything everywhere all at once without spoiling the story. And there's a lot of these quick cuts that are blurry and kind of Mm. smeared. Um, that's how um, that with the, the this part with this like quick cuts and smearing and like almost like dropped frames is how a lot of sections, especially the first half of Chunking Express are filmed. Um, and it feels jarring when you look at it. But I mean, that works within the context of everything everywhere all at once, which does a lot of things that are quite jarring. <laughs> um, but it it like it's so it is so interesting and unlike anything else i've ever seen um but yeah i don't know what else to say chunking express is just a really 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 good movie um it's very beloved for good reason even though if i just tell you the plot you're going to be like okay um it doesn't and i think that i think that's one of the things that makes it such a good movie is the fact that like i can tell you what happens in it and it's going to communicate nothing because <laughs> it's not about the story it's about the entire filmic experience because watching a movie isn't just watching a story unfold it's watching you know cinematic techniques and music choices and acting um and you know this movie is good because i fucking hate the song california dreamin' by the mamas <laughs> and the papas and they played about 80 times in the movie um also, it features the greatest cover of Dreams by the Cranberries ever. Um, potentially, and this may be blasphemous, but potentially even better than the Cranberries version. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. Um, anyway, Chunk Cake Express is amazing. It's a really, 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 really good movie. If you haven't seen it, it's totally worth a watch. I understand that Like, I really did nothing to sell you on it um, <laughs> because it's so hard to explain. But like, just if you want to watch something and you want to be like, like I want to watch something unlike anything I have seen before. If you're feeling that vibe where you're like, I want to experience something totally new, um, sit down and watch Chunking Express. It's on HBO Max or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's on that right now, um, which is good because sometimes Chunking Express is very hard to find. <laughs> sometimes the DVD is a hundred dollars. Jeez. Um, but it, it's so good. It's just so 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 good. Um, I watched Doctor Strange. Um, this was a whole experience. The new one. The new one. Um, so I went to go sit on Mother's Day. Mother's Day was a little difficult for me this year for multiple different reasons. And my husband knew it was going to be difficult. So he's like, let's go see Doctor Strange. He wanted to go see it. And, um, 
I, I love Wanda, so I was like, I'll, I want to see it. And um, the fact that my husband suggested we go to the movie theater alone was the, a gift from God. <laughs> my hus- The last time my husband went to a theater was the first Avengers movie. And I think he went with us. Um, I think we all went together. That was a long time ago. I'm trying to remember. It was a long time ago. And my husband hates the theater. And we went... <laughs> And half the fun of this movie was watching my husband absolutely regret every moment <laughs> of agreeing. Like, he loved the movie. He adored the movie. But he hated going to the theater. There were a lot of children because mm-hmm. um, people were there with their families. And he's just like, why did I decide? That? It was just <laughs> so funny to watch him just, like, be like, I regret this. Let's sleep. <laughs> I was like, this is your your choice. So I'm not I won't say like a lot of what happens because there's first of all, there's a lot that fucking happens in this movie. Um but in the movie, uh there's a multiverse and um America Chavez is in it. And she is an openly queer character with two mothers, which is cool. She actually she has like um a pride flag on, which is cool. Um she doesn't really mention that she's, you know, like her sexuality but it's there and like you know what (laughs) at least there's that I guess (laughs) um and she was great in it and I I really loved her and she was like she was like a main character and I really appreciated that so she was great in it Doctor Strange was boring in it um he wasn't boring I just he just kind of felt like the he was used as the way to move the story forward Mm-hmm. Um and and that's fine. Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. But there's nothing more I enjoyed than evil Wanda. Evil Wanda is the best. Um, it, if you haven't seen WandaVision, I think this will be difficult to not even just like understand, like like follow, like to really get all the context, but like literally to know what's going on, um, because it has a lot to do with what happened in WandaVision and her children, and. Uh, the fact that this movie was released on Mother's Day weekend was absolutely intentional and hilarious because it's about an, like a woman who has weaponized her motherhood um, or lack thereof. There's the best line ever of, I'm not a monster, I'm a mother. Um, and she's just downright evil, like evil in every way, like super evil. And I loved it. Um, the best part of this movie, though, was that Sam Raimi did it. And you could tell he did it. There were parts that were like disgusting like jump scares um it was like it was out like there were some parts that were just disgusting um like just disgusting and there's definitely some nods to like evil dead and bruce campbell obviously is in it and the second half was a sam raimi movie and i loved it and when you see it missy you will agree (laughs) you will say the second half was the best part because it literally it was like no other marvel movie and i'm I'm guessing that they'll probably give another movie to him because this did really well. And it was just a good movie. And I can't wait for him to do more Marvel movies. Um, I really enjoyed what he brought to the table. And I think that no one else could have done it like him. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like Guillermo del Toro. Maybe. Yeah. Um, it still would have been, I don't think it would have been as disgusting though. I don't know. He's pretty nasty. He is pretty nasty. But this is, I mean, 
It was gross. Wait, Guillermo del Toro, Sam Raimi team up when? Whoa. I think that's like almost too much. Like my brain might explode. That'd be the nastiest thing you've ever seen. Oh, maybe it's like your brain explodes as part of the experience. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. My husband obviously loved it because he just loves every Marvel movie. Um, and uh, I loved Wanda. I love that it was released on Mother's Day weekend. And it was not the best movie to go to when you're trying to get away from the fact that it's Mother's Day. But I still appreciated the fact that it was not it, it was about being a mother. Like part of it was about being a mother, but it was about being an evil mother. And at least that was really <laughs> cathartic. Um and then I won't spoil. I don't want to spoil that because it's so good. Um, but I, I won't say that because because it, it is really good when you realize what what happened. Um, there's just a lot of good cameos in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was good. I think Missy, when you watch it, you will love the Sam Raimi parts. Josh will love all of it. Um, you can now go see America Chavez in California Adventure and on the Avengers campus. And people are angry about it, and it makes him happy. <laughs> she does just kind of look like a person. <laughs> she just kind of looks like a person walking around. Um, like in the movie, there's definitely some like commentary that's really good. Like she, so she can travel to different multiverse, like different universes, and she's like. In most universes, food is free. It's really weird that you guys charge for it. Like, that's just really weird. Things like that. So um, I I appreciated that stuff. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see more of her. I think she's getting her own show. I think so. Um, I think people also need to realize she isn't necessarily... Like, her, her comics are teen comics, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's, like, one of the young Avengers. Yeah. People are, like... Who is this? No one knows who. Well, yeah, because you're not the audience. <laughs> People don't know this. You're not the oh audience. Oh my god, she's a wildly popular comic yeah. character. She's she is super popular. That's like people being upset with like Natalie Portman. Yeah. Um, one of Bob's coworkers was like, "I just hope there's not a lot of Natalie Portman." Well. Bob was like, "I have some bad news." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love I love reading the comments like. Why are they putting a random person in this? And why are they putting a random person in the Marvel campus? No one cares. They're who putting- the fuck knew who Moon Knight was? Yeah. Literally everything about Marvel is just a random person. Yeah. It, like, who knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, Ant-Man? Who- Ant-Man. Like, who knew these people? Nobody. But it's because she's a young girl. So, yeah, you know. That's just how it is. You can't have young girls and in- things. We can talk when they put Koi Boy on Avengers K- campus. Koi Boy? Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Oh, Okay. <laughs> then you can come at me with who is this i'm really excited for tippy toe then you can at me um not america chavez but i'm really excited that they're putting they're making the ms marvel show mm-hmm. um, even if they changed her power i think there was i heard a reason for it but i can't remember what it was. um it would have looked really fucking weird it would have looked weird that is true <laughs> it looked really fucking weird and i think people would have been like that, that's why do it live action I, I I think just be- animate it. I think because people like they want to legitimize this character, and people feel uh. that like live action <gasps> is legitimization. <gasps> yeah, we I, know how we feel yeah, about that. We know how I feel. Um, but I am excited for her, and I'm excited like for America Chavez, and I'm excited for these younger like these younger teen comics to really get a voice mm-hmm. because. They are popular. They do well. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah, they're good. There's good stuff, and I think people. I loved Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Yeah, people just need to fuck off. 
truly. <laughs> they just need to fuck off. Have you considered fucking off? <laughs> Have you considered fuck off? <laughs> I will say if they don't put the f- she loves to write fan fiction in Ms. Marvel, I will write it. They probably will. I, I just love that. I can't wait for also to come out. This has gone off the rails, not about Doctor Strange, but I also um, can't wait for people to be angry that it's for um, children and they don't like it. Yeah. Like, I don't like this. It's not for you. <laughs> it's just like that, uh, that great speech that freddie prince jr does about star wars star wars is for children (laughs) it's not you're just upset that this is made for kids (laughs) so yeah i liked it cool um that's it for this episode you can find us online at fakeygirlscast.com which has all of our previous episodes information about our podcasts and a link to our patreon um where you can donate and help us make the podcast um if you really, if you like us, consider leaving us a review on whatever podcast service you use. I don't know what you use. I don't know what anybody uses. Presumably, people still use I- Apple Podcasts. I don't know about that. I use Spotify. I use Castbox mm. because I use Android. Ah. Um, and then I, you don't need to know. You don't need. To, you don't care about this. Uh, leave us a review. It is nice. It's a nice thing to do, and you know it's true. Um, next time we're going to be talking about Saint Maud. Uh, the more I think about St. Maud, the better it gets. <laughs> right? Like, I was like, that was pretty good. And then I was like, no, I actually think it was really good. And then I'm like, ooh, ooh, I like it. There's more to it. I keep thinking about it. Are I'm you like, going to yes. rewatch it? I probably won't rewatch it just because time. Yeah. Um, but it was good. But it is a nice short movie. So if I did want to rewatch it, it's only an hour and a half. I think we're going to watch it tonight. Nice. Uh, after that, we're going to be doing The Matrix. Um, I have split it into two sections, but here's the thing. I don't remember the name of The Matrix movies. So the first one is going to be The, the Matrix, The Animatrix, and whatever the second one is. I said Reloaded. That might be the name of it. I don't know. Then we're going to do The Matrix Part 2, which is Revolutions and resurrected or something i don't know i don't know what they're called i just know it's the matrix the animatrix matrix 2 matrix 3 new matrix that's a lot that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna break it up uh and after that we're gonna be doing pushing daisies this is just so excited i'm so excited you don't even know how much i love pushing daisies you can't fathom how much i love pushing daisies i feel like all pushing daisies fans are just like that it's because we are underserved and underrepresented. <laughs> well, here you go. You're about to feed them. Yeah, I'm about to feed you. You're about to feed me. We're going to have a great time talking about the best show ever of all time. Ever. 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 Wow. There's nothing High better. Praise. There's nothing better than pushing daisies. It's okay if it's not to your taste is the thing because it is definitely like it is a distinct flavor. You know, it's not a flavor that everybody likes. But if, you know, if it is your flavor, it's the greatest one. And that's, that's thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, so that's it. Catch on the flip side.